Welcome to the Narrators Podcast. I'm Robert Rutherford. And I'm Andrew Orvidal. This podcast collects stories that were told at the Narrators, a monthly storytelling event that features people telling true stories based on a theme. The show takes place on the third Thursday of every month at the Deer Pile in Denver, Colorado. This episode of the Narrators was recorded on February 21st, 2013 at the Deer Pile in Denver. The theme of the evening was rock shows and record stores. Your next storyteller, she's a favorite of the show. She's done the show quite often. She runs uh, not just a podcast, but the winner of Denver's Best Podcast in 2012 called These Things Matter, which she runs along with her co-host, Kevin O'Brien. Please welcome the very great Taylor Gonda. So, yes, as Andrew said, uh, Kevin O'Brien and I, who's here tonight, we do a show called These Things Matter. And it's all about pop culture and rock shows and record stores and all the things that surround that sort of stuff. Uh, So there are a million stories we've heard from people talking about how music and concerts and all that affect their lives. And uh, we did a show on concerts, actually, with a friend of mine, Kevin Johnston, who some of you might actually know because he used to be in bands in Denver. Um, But uh, he came on to talk about the first show that I saw, which he went to, with me, which was back at Red Rocks in 1997, the Odelay tour, and uh, <laughs> and uh, during that show, we kind of realized every concert we would bring up that really meant something to us, that was poignant, that was meaningful. It had almost as much to do with the circumstances around the concert as it had to do with the actual performances. So, who you went to the show with, the cir- the, the stuff you did there, which I think what is what we're going to be talking about tonight, um, where you were in your life when that happened. So, let's go to 1997. (laughs) Uh, Odelay had come out the year before. Uh, I was obsessed with it. I was absolutely obsessed with it. I was 15, and I was a sophomore in high school. And I had never heard anything like that album. I know it now that it's not entirely uh, original, but it's wonderful. It's a great album. And so, uh, I heard that Beck was coming to Red Rocks, and I really wanted to go. And as a 15-year-old, I'd never really done anything on my own like that, like made a decision to say, I want to spend money in this way, and I want to make a plan to go to this place without my parents and just do it. So it was pretty exciting. Um, And I was a theater gal. And so I was uh, in school in the theater room, which is where I hung out with all my thespian friends, and we had just finished a meeting of the Thespian Society. And uh, I just decided to to just say it, because these were my friends. And I was like, hey, guys, I want to go see Beck. Does anybody want to go with me to Red Rocks? And the only guy who raised his hand was Kevin, Kevin Johnston. And I kind of started into a cold sweat. (laughs) Because at the time, we weren't really friends. It was more like uh, he was a god to me. (laughs) I, I absolutely worshipped him. Not only did I have a crush on him, of course I did. Of course I did. Uh, It was more of a stalker situation than a crush. (laughs) He was a senior and I was a sophomore and I just, I would go weak at the knees every time I saw him. But also, also, he was like Eddie Vedder to me. He was it. He had long curly hair. He was a musician. He was kind of brooding 
or at least I thought he was brooding. I don't know if he was actually brooding, but I just assumed, like, well, clearly he's Eddie Vedder, so he's brooding. Um, he was also my Jordan Catalano, for those of you who know that reference. Yes. This is such a referential show. I love it. Um, but, uh, so, yeah, he uh, played guitar. He played trombone. He played drums. He was in the jazz band. He was in the jazz choir. He was in regular band. He was in regular choir. He was the editor of the school newspaper. He was a photographer. And he was also did a competitive drama, and he was the lead in every show in school. So I aim high, you guys. <laughs> I want the best. <laughs> uh, so he said he wanted to go. I couldn't believe this. I mean, pedestal as high as you can, him on top of it. And yet he's saying he wants to go. So I walked over to him and I was like, uh, are, are, are you sure you want to go with me? Uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, I really like that album. I like that song, Hot Wax. That's a good song. He said his favorite lyric was, let me think I remember it, Silver Fox is looking for romance in the chain, so chain smoke Kansas flash dance ass pants. And I was like, oh, that's my favorite song. That's my favorite lyric now. Yes, yes, let's go, let's go. <laughs> so um, we find some people to, to drive us there who are also going, an old, a senior couple that were friends of his, and another friend of mine wanted to go too. So five of us hop in this little car, and we, get over, we go to Red Rocks, which I'd never been to. So, of course, you guys know Red Rocks. It's fucking incredible. Um, and the, the couple that drove us there, they just seemed so old because they had been together for all four years of high school. And they were 17, and oh, my God, they just knew everything. So they brought snacks for us, you know, and they told us where we were going to sit. They're like, here's the best spot to sit, you guys. We're like, fine, great, whatever. This is awesome. I just can't believe I'm there with Kevin Johnston. So um, – the show is great. It's amazing. The Cardigans opened for them, which was fun because everybody loves that song from Romeo and Juliet, right? Um, and then Beck comes on. It's fucking incredible. It's such a great show. You know, Stagecoach is playing drums, and uh, is it DJ Swamp is over there, and Smokestack is playing guitar, and I know all these guys, and I know all the songs, I know all the lyrics, and I feel so cool. I'm there with the coolest guy in school. I'm so fucking cool. <laughs> which never happened to me back then. <laughs> so it was kind of a big deal. Um, so uh, we're leaving the show. And the thing is, the, the thing that, that I was saying at the beginning is, you know, I absolutely remember every moment in that show. I could tell you all about it. But what really mattered was the car ride home. Because um, I was, uh, we get in the car, and I'm in the middle seat in the back, and Kevin's here, and my friend uh, is over here next to us. And uh, I'm, just, I'm just not in my head like I usually am. This concert has done something to me. I'm a changed person, you know. I'm calm. <laughs> I'm not worried. I'm not anxious. I'm not thinking about how every single person in the world must be thinking about me at every moment. <laughs> like you do in high school, you know. I'm not think thinking like, oh, my God, they all think I'm such a loser. Like every, like over and over and over and over again in your head. I'm just like happy. I'm just... Oh, I'm okay. And I'm not even freaking out that my absolute number one, highest pedestal, number one crush is sitting next to me. It's just kind of okay. And, and I, I have what I thought of at the time, or in retrospect, the audacity to just be okay and just lean my head back and smile and, like, enjoy the moment. Like, be in the moment. It felt audacious to be in the moment. 
and just calm down and enjoy and talk and listen to the radio. And like, wasn't that amazing? That was so much fun. And as I'm doing this, I'm realizing that my shoulder is touching Kevin's shoulder. And my arm is touching Kevin's arm. And my, my hip is touching his hip. My thigh is touching his eye. My knees are touching his knees. Like, we're touching. <laughs> we are in contact the whole car ride home. And up to that point in my life, that was pretty much the most physical contact I'd ever had with a boy. <laughs> so it was pretty fucking great. It was pretty awesome. And I just, because I'm in this calm state, I don't flip the fuck out and go, oh, oh, God, you know. I just sort of sit there and enjoy it, and it's nice. It's really nice. And as we're driving, we realize we're joking how, we've, oh, your car only has one headlight, you know. Oh, my God. So, of course, Kevin starts singing that song. He starts singing One Headlight by the Wallflowers. And I'm feeling good. And I'm like, I know that song. So I start singing, too. Which, 15-year-old me just breaking out in song, that's, I, I don't, I can't imagine, I cannot think of another time in my life where I felt comfortable enough to just be okay, like being a human being, singing a song <laughs> with other human beings, apart from choir, which was sanctioned, you know. So... <laughs> Um, so uh, we're, the whole car starts singing the song, and it's it's amazing, and and it was a transcendent, incredible moment that I, that I still remember. And I love that concert, but boy, I remember that moment. And we we drive, and we go to good times, and we get some burgers, and we're just fucking having a great old time. We drive home, and it's like it's amazing. We're teenagers, and we're alive. <laughs> but um. You know, I, I, I love Beck, I really do, but, but that night I, I, I had to give it to the wallflowers. <laughs> so, thank you. Before Robert was my co-host on the show, he would do the show sometimes, and I would always pick his brain for new people to do the show, which, by the way, if anybody here is interested in doing the show, you should contact one of us either through our Facebook page or through our Facebook page, because that's the easiest way to do that. Um, but he would always recommend this next storyteller, and I could never get him to do the show. And even Robert had a hard time getting to do the, getting him to do the show. But he was like, oh, he's so good. He'll do the show eventually. And then he finally did the show, and he was amazing. And now he's like one of the best storytellers we've had. He's been on the show a couple times, and I'm excited. We once again got him. We pried him out of his home to do the show. Please welcome Kent Shelton. So they, uh, they told me the theme of the show. I'm terrible at preparing for these things. Uh, uh, Robert is always good enough to give me three or four weeks' notice, and then I check Facebook the night before and say, oh, narrator's tomorrow. I want to check that. Oh, fuck, I'm doing I'm supposed to be. I'm, I'm supposed to. So uh, the theme this time was uh, about rock shows and record stores, and at least uh, I, uh, I have a little little material there. For the last... A little over a decade, I've been the general manager of a concert venue. I don't know if some of you are music fans. I guarantee you in the last 10 years, I've been to more concerts than you. If you have enjoyed seven of them, you have enjoyed more of them than I have. But, uh, so yeah, there's a little concert venue. Uh, uh, you guys are kind of a downtown crowd, so you've probably never been there. It's called the Gothic Theater. It's just... It's just north of the factory stores in Castle Rock, uh, south of here. A long way south, apparently. 
Uh, we we do uh, we do a fair number of shows, and some of them uh, seem like good ideas, and some of them on their face seem like terrible ideas, but we do them anyway. We've occasionally done these late-night after-parties for shows at Red Rocks. There'll be a show at Red Rocks that gets out at about midnight, and 9,000 people will leave there and try to fit into our 999-seat venue, uh, you know, right about 1 a.m. when it's almost too late for us to sell them any booze and make any money. But we booked them anyway. We booked one of those uh, a couple years ago. It was... uh, for some sort of electronic dance thing that had gone on up at Red Rocks. Uh, I think it may have been Sound Tribe Sector 9, if anybody's heard, heard of that. I don't know. I don't know if it was dubstep, because I don't know what dubstep is, because I'm not a retarded 15-year-old. Um, if you know a retarded 15-year-old, maybe they can explain why that nightmare sound is better than the other nightmare sounds that the Earth has to offer. But this, uh, this show was uh, was going along with packed house uh, we were getting right to that point of the night the show was going to go to about 5 a.m. and we got to the point of the night where we had to shut down the bar because uh, we can't sell any booze after 2 a.m. so as we were shutting down the bar I, uh, uh, I had the bartenders make me a drink and uh, I was like okay three or four more hours I'm going to ride this stupid thing out this was a crowd of sweaty, unwashed people. You've seen the electronic dance music people who've already been to a show. They're uh, glazed eyes and glow sticks and cat-in-the-hat hats. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's like a, a scene from the Bible right before Moses shows up and breaks fucking tablets. It's, it's uh... So this was going on. And uh, I had a cocktail and went to my office and thought, oh, I'll ride this out. And... Um, I started feeling kind of unwell. I was feeling a little, uh, I don't know, a little antsy. And I did that thing people only do in movies where I went to the bathroom and splashed cold water on my face. And uh, then I thought maybe I need some fresh air. So I went outside, and one of my bartenders, a big, genial Midwestern guy named Bob, was out there. And he has a beard, and he and I were talking. And, and I started laughing because uh, his beard, all the hairs in his beard were jumping out of his face and back in, just like the sandworms in Doom, or in Dune, you know? The, uh, all of the hairs were just kind of boiling on his face, and I thought this was hilarious. And then I realized, that's probably not really happening. I'm in horrible fucking trouble. Uh, somebody, some happy guy in a Dr. Seuss hat had dosed me at my show. I went into the office and tried to pull shit together, um, and I got to give credit to LSD because LSD doesn't give a shit. It does not care about your fucking plans. Uh, if you've you've probably all had some booze, and uh, and when your girlfriend starts screaming at you, you can kind of pull it together for a few minutes, or you know you can pull it together enough to go into Seven Eleven and buy a hot dog and walk back out. You can say, okay, I'm gonna just I'm gonna be sober for three minutes. You can kind of do that with booze. LSD, no fucking way, man. It's got its own plan, and you're you're uh, you're just a passenger on that fucking ride. So I went to the office, and I thought, I, I, in a couple of hours' time, I'm going to have to really start doing my job, which means paying tens of thousands of dollars to a promoter, tens of thousands of dollars that aren't mine, that all have little president's faces laughing at me now, and. Uh, I'm like, oh, this is going to be very, very bad. And the longer I, I, I spend coming up with a plan to how to get out of this, 
the worse my planning is becoming because uh, it's starting to really come on now. Now, now it's not just people's beards, boy. Now everything's going fucking crazy. So I went out to the bar, uh, uh, grabbed a, a bartender who was working there, just first one I came to, and I said, "Come, come, come with me." <laughs> And uh, we went in the office, and uh, I said, what I'm about to tell you is not going to probably make much sense, but this is the most sense I'm going to be making from here on out. Everything's going to make less sense that I say from this point forward. I have drugs in me, and I can't do my job, and I don't know what to do now. Here's my phone. Can you find somebody in this to do my job? Um She very patiently started going through my phone. She uh, came across a name that she knew, and she said, how about this guy? And I was like, oh, yeah, that guy, he, uh, he doesn't work here anymore, and he's at home at 2 in the morning with his two children. Yes, call him. <laughs> so she did, and he was a good sport. He came on down to do my job. A former employee got out of bed and came down, and uh, uh, then I said, well, now, what do I do? And she said, well, you, you need to go home. And I said, well, I, I don't know where that is. And she said, uh, can, can I call your girlfriend and have her come get you? And I was like, you're fucking brilliant. You're, you with your hair on fire. You're so smart. So I had her call my girlfriend. Um, people who enjoy acid uh, probably uh, uh, like what it does to time. Uh, people who who didn't mean to do acid, find that infuriating. Um, because uh, she called my girlfriend. My girlfriend said, okay, I'll come pick him up. And, uh, and then uh, I sat for like six hours and said, I guess she's not coming. I guess she's breaking up with me. And the bartender said, it's been four minutes. Uh, she's probably on her way. And uh, another few hours went by, and I was like, she's not. She must have died. She's, it's, like, it's been another minute. She'll, she'll be here. She finally did come and pick me up, and I think describing your acid trip to people who aren't on it is kind of like talking about your dreams. It's probably not all that interesting. Uh, I will say that the the ride home in her car, uh, uh, just driving from the Gothic to my house in City Park, um, anybody remember the last 30 minutes of the Road Warrior? It was, this is, uh, we were just... We were driving 300 miles an hour, and every car around us was guys with mohawks and shoulder pads swinging chains. It was the most insane fucking ride I've ever had in my life. I got home, and, um, uh, and, and here's, the other, here's the other fun thing about acid. Uh, just lasts forever. Uh, uh, just, you know, if, when, you get, when, you, when you drink enough booze, you eventually just fall asleep. And when you take... Apparently, any amount of acid, um, nope, it's not done with you till it's done with you. So I went home and uh, wide awake, uh, sat there. Uh, uh, the girlfriend was very patient. She was like, I don't know, drink water, watch TV. Just try to enjoy it. You're stuck in this. Try to enjoy it. People pay for this. You're not at work anymore. Everything's fine. Now's the time you can really uh, get into this thing. So I was like, okay, I'll relax. I'll watch TV. I put something on TV, and it was like, it was like a CGI-heavy, uh, really horrifying science fiction thing, where people were getting this disease that was making their faces slide off their skulls. And I was like, I, I don't think I should watch this. This is too scary for me to watch. And she said, This is an episode of Everybody Loves Raymond that you're watching. I don't know what you're seeing. But that's not what's happening. She, uh, 
as morning rolled around, she had to go to work. And she just, she left me with like a, a peat moss-sized bag of potato chips and a bottle of water. And she was like, don't, don't do anything. Uh, I'll be back in a while, and I'll call and make sure you're all right. And I tried to just chill. I tried to do whatever I could. Uh, I thought, you know, I'll find something on TV. I don't know. Have any of you ever watched the show Law & Order SVU? This show is not improved by, by feeling like you're watching it in real time. Uh, when, when you, like, you've been watching this show, and you're like, I've been watching Richard Belzer chew a bite of sandwich for 18 minutes. It, 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 it's not improved by that. So at some point, uh, I had the notion, like, well, I've got to work this through my system. The only way uh, to, to finish my, my acid experience is to maybe do something physical, get out of the house, take a walk, get some fresh air, and then maybe I'll just work it out. And so... I went out, put on my earbuds, just took a walk around the neighborhood, and that seemed to help. It was, it was calming. It was nice. I walked, uh, uh, and at one point my phone rang, and, and it was my girlfriend. She was like, I'm back home. Where are you? And I was like, oh, I, just, I went for a walk. Don't worry about it. I'll, you're home. I'll, I'll come back home. And she said, well, where are you? And I, I looked at the street sign, and I said, uh, 32nd and Lowell. And she was like, you walked 11 miles. You walked 11 miles from home. Stay right the fuck there, and I'll come get you. So, what I learned, really, from my dalliance with acid, it answered a question that I had always, always wondered, that all of those people in the 1960s, that whole summer of love generation, who all had such great ideas and such good intentions, why the fuck didn't they get anything done? Now I know. Fucking acid makes it impossible to achieve your dreams. So... That's all for me. Thank you guys so much. The Narrators Podcast is recorded and produced by the Denver Diatribe. Check out their weekly show at denverdiatribe.com. The Narrators Podcast is brought to you by these amazing sponsors. The great guys at Illegal Pete's and Greater Than Records, who in addition to providing rad burritos all over town, provide great local music and comedy. Check out the appropriately named Sexy Pizza at either of their locations in Capitol Hill or Old South Pearl, or on their website, sexypizzaonline.com. And finally, by the internet superheroes at Commerce Kitchen, who provide internet marketing solutions and search engine optimization for all your e-commerce needs. Check them out at commercekitchen.com. For more information about the narrators and to listen to past episodes, go to the narratorspodcast.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>